Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Elizabeth Dutton. Zaren Burnett. Got a question for you, my girl. Yeah. You know what's ridiculous? I do. Stop, Stop right there. I do. What is it? Nothing says clear skin like fried food. (laughs) <laughs> I've heard that. I know, right? No, I heard the opposite of that. I actually. am I am very I am a stickler for a skincare routine. I'm a very traditional. I don't do all the jazzy new stuff. Uh-huh. Um and just putting that out there about sure. skincare. Uh I've talked before about Kentucky fried chicken on okay. this show. Uh-huh. Well, what do you think of when you think of Kentucky fried chicken and skincare? Teenagers. <laughs> Teenagers serving me chicken. I worry about their skincare. <laughs> There's a company called Dear Me Beauty. Like, oh, dear me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they It's an Indonesian beauty brand. And they joined forces with KFC to launch a skincare collection. Ha, okay. The biggest one that they had, the biggest item that is no longer available. I'm so sorry, Zaren. You're not going to be able to get it. Is a hydrating primer sheet mask. You know those sheet mask things that make you look like... You're a villain. Sure, let's pretend like movie. I do. I know what villains look like with masks on. You know, so it's I'll like a pretend. paper. It's like a wet paper oh, mask. Yes. No, I totally seen that. Yes, it's like it looks like yeah. they're wearing a skin mask, but it's Completely. paper. Completely. So they made those with like the little the kernel on like the cheekbone. So you can wear like a serial killer kernel. Well, you can wear it through the drive-through. Oh, that would be amazing. Give me my chicken. Yeah. And so it uh, is supposed to be fragrance free. Okay. You know. You forgot my biscuits. <laughs> Like, they're just (laughs) screaming and throwing biscuits in the car. Uh, So it's got the logo. uh, You know, this is a whole chicken motif. They do still have a primer sun stick, like a a stick sunblock. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't think it's scented. So I don't understand the point of this. Really? And then they also, they have like, they had a moisturizer. They've got makeup. They have an eye color palette that has both blue and green in it don't really strike me as what I want to see in chicken. No, not at all. Blue and green, those are usually the signs of bad chicken. Right. Both and so, of those. But make this make sense to me, Zarin. 
I cannot, Elizabeth. Why? You brought this to me. All I'm <laughs> going to tell you is this is ridiculous. Who, who I, <laughs> why do they have Kentucky Fried Chicken logos on what looks to be sort of, you know, middling, cheap makeup, makeup brands? You, you know what they should do? They should do the same mask idea, but with one of those buffalo chicken wing places. And then it's like that cereal Buffalo Bob, the cereal killer. <laughs> it's like, it puts the chicken <laughs> in the bag or it will get the hose what? again. It's got poor opening spices in yeah. it. I don't know why they don't just like clarify some uh, chicken grease from the, the store, from the <laughs> old, the KFC like, down like, the street. Like, like ghee, like clarified yeah. butter, just and clarified that's chicken the oil. New, that's the new moisturizer. I'm going to stop you right there. Thank you. <laughs> that is Thank ridiculous. You. I was waiting for someone to stop me because I couldn't. I got a ridiculous one for you if you got a second. Yes, please. It's about one of my favorite people. Me? Yes. Okay. My second favorite person, <laughs> Jean-Michel Basquiat. Oh, yes. Yes. Elizabeth, there are cats out there. Who not those kind of cats? Oh. <laughs> Jazz cats. <laughs> they, uh, they buy prints of paintings of Jean Michel's and uh, they buy them off the internet. They add some paint, they sign them, and then they try to sell those <gasps> fake paintings for millions of dollars. Oh no! You know what's even more ridiculous? Huh? It works. Oh boy. <laughs> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. you damn right. Yeah. Meow. Andy Warhol. <laughs> yes. Keith Haring. Sure. Jean-Michel Basquiat. Of course. They all share this, this certain quality. You know what that quality was, Elizabeth? In the culture. This I'm not talking like, oh, they had the same dance moves. I mean, they had this quality in the culture. Not you know alive. what it was? Not alive. They are all, the, that is it. <laughs> Moribund and extant. So, no, no, they breathed new life into the stodgy, yes. staid, moneyed art world of the post-abstract expressionist period of American art. Correct. You know yes. what I'm talking about. The mid-century big names were gone. Mm-hmm. Once Jackson Pollock, Lee Krasner were gone, the energy in the art world it just dramatically dimmed it, all of a sudden the electricity roy lichtenstein jasper john Cy twombly when they exited the stage what did they leave behind after their moment in the mid-century sun thomas kincaid <laughs> no well yes i truly <laughs> roy neiman no but they, they had a uh, wayne tebow and david hockney <gasps> yes right? wayne tebow and i know you love and i love, love. tebow's cakes i love hockney's swimming pools i'm mm-hmm. about like the lighting and the color but it doesn't have the same restless, disruptive, chaotic energy that I want in my Mm -hmm. art. And I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of us who just want to be smacked by our artwork. I feel like good art gets a a strong reaction, either positive or negative. So if you look at it and you think, oh, God, no, Mm -hmm. it's it succeeded. Yeah, that's oh, uh, mm-hmm. that's good news for a lot of artists I know. Right? <laughs> so, I'm very generous. Now, the Keith Haring, his visual style, all the loopy characters, the like little like um, almost stick figure man, mm-hmm. but just the outside lines. Mm-hmm. They had a playful chaos, right? He would just like swirl and fill his scenes with these. Uh, there was a lot of motion to that. A lot of motion. Yeah. Totally good point. Andy Warhol, even though mostly black and white. There's yeah. basically a black line against a white background. Mm-hmm. Still, all this motion, all this energy. Andy Warhol, commercially disruptive. Yeah. 
mimicked everything, made everything, you know, just tongue in cheek. Like, not didn't quite lambast the culture, but he definitely like you know poked a well, healthy a, amount of fun. It's a commentary on it. It's on exactly the commercialism, the of emptiness it, yeah. of some of it, the mm-hmm. the importance of it, of the things that we do not realize how important they are to us. Mm-hmm. But he he came to this naturally because one, the dude's from Pittsburgh. He grows up, turns into this res, like rascal refugee, goes to Madison Avenue, becomes a commercial artist, sees the inside of the machine, and then pops back out and becomes a a, a, a you know a fine art painter. Mm-hmm. So from him, you get that that same chaotic energy just from inside the machine. And then there's Jean-Michel Basquiat, my man, right? <laughs> now, he had his own visual grammar. You know, yeah. like, yes, like you, you see one of his paintings, you immediately know it's his. Now, yes, he had Samo, uh, born of the graffiti, of the streets, but his work is right on par with Picasso. Oh, he yeah. is like, you know, a, a master. Now, these cats, they all, like I said, same undeniable energy. What does that mean to us these days, Elizabeth? Money. Exactly. <laughs> it means people want to own it. Now they're like, oh, I don't want to just see it. I want to go to the museum. I don't want to be overwhelmed by it. I don't want to touch my soul. I want to possess it. Yes. Can I show my I friends I own have this? It. Yes. So uh, some people want to compete and be like, oh, Bezos has this one, but I've got that one. You know, that's what we've gotten mm-hmm. to now. So that also means that these are now the record holders in the art world. Oh. Yes. Basquiat, Warhol, they are the most expensive paintings you can buy these days. Really? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know what we say around here, when something becomes the most expensive there is and the most valuable on the market, we here at Ridiculous Crime know that means... Crime. That's right, Elizabeth. Forgeries, (laughs) frauds, all sorts of fun crimes. Now, Elizabeth, you know what provenance is? Yes. Okay. I've discussed it before. Yes, the story of a thing. Correct. Okay. The paper trail, really. Totally. Now, if you had to spontaneously come up with provenance, you know, or better yet, fake one for millions, how much fun would that be? So fun. Just like coming up with all the once owned by a merchant marine captain. I gotta be honest. I love forging documents. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead serious. I know you are. (laughs) I've forged a document before. I'm not going to discuss it. You don't need to tell us which one. But it was so convincing and it got the job done. Nice. There you go. Yep, there it is. Well, uh, when it comes to like... Provenance. I always like to imagine like coming over provenance for stuff I own, <laughs> like like my used clothing from the Goodwill. Like this was once owned by a housewife in Duluth, handmade. She no, but anyway, I'll more and more serious note. The attractive aspect of like people why they decide to fake a Basquiat painting or why they want to pull a fraudulent Warhol out of their grandpa's attic or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's because provenance. The thing is, is these artists, they the provenance is really scant. It's hard to establish for some of their works. Un, well, kind of like the Picasso and Georges Brock period of the, the Cubists of the last century, or you know, the twenty, the beginning of the twentieth century. Right. You have they would pay their bills with artwork. Oh yeah, they would like you know hand somebody something. And they were like, cranking that stuff up. Exactly. And then nowadays people will pay for a drawing. So if they are sitting there paying their bar bill on the back of a napkin and they did a drawing, mm-hmm. the only way you know it's true is if it's like oh Picasso's signature or something. Thing yeah. looks right. Yeah. So, what does it mean when they started giving away art to friends? Well, it means you have a lot of people go, Oh, I got this from this friend of Picasso. I got this from this. And now we've gotten to, in Warhol's case, it was the dumpster outside of his spot, the factory. People were like, Oh, I fished this out of the dumpster outside of Warhol's factory. Right, right. Or uh, with Basquiat, this dude liked to paint on all sorts of stuff. He'd paint on doors, he'd yeah. paint on whatever, on found objects. So it's easy for them to find like a helmet and go, Oh, yes, Basquiat <laughs> painted this, right? This football helmet I have. And so if you're a fraudster, all right, and you're definitely desperate to establish provenance for something that may be worth millions of dollars, it's always easy to go, oh, I found this in a storage unit. I yeah. found this at the flea market, the garage sale, the estate sale, yard sale, Goodwill, antique market, or, you know, the home of your German grandmother or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Now, 
For Basquiat, typically people go, oh, you know, he traded this to me for a microphone. You cannot prove that at all. How right. are you going to prove that? Right? Right. He didn't sign it. Then you have the idea of like, uh, so Keith Haring is always, oh, his ex-boyfriend. I was, I used to know his ex-boyfriend. Yeah. One of his yeah. boyfriends gave this to me. So is that provenance? That's what the art world is dealing with. But they have these things worth millions. So they're like, oh, we've really put ourselves in a bind here. Yeah. So enter always the issue of caveat emptor or basically mm-hmm. buyer beware. Now, this also means there's a lot of things that are just flat out pretends and then people just want them to be out there. So the reason why, as I told you, they were worth a lot of money. I, I don't think I don't think I have properly explained this to you. You you said, oh, wow. And I should have really <laughs> stopped to tell you how much these paintings are worth. Oh, Elizabeth, wow. In 2017, a Basquiat painting sold for $110.5 million. Wait, what? At auction at Sotheby's. $110 million. million. That was the record for an American painter. googly moogly. Until last year, when Warhol broke Basquiat's record, not just broke it, the price paid for this Warhol painting basically atomized the previous record. As the New York Times reported, and I quote, in under four minutes of bidding, Andy Warhol's 1964 silkscreen of the actress's face, actress in question, Marilyn Monroe, yeah, yeah. shot sage blue Marilyn, sold for about $195 million to an unknown buyer at Christie's in New York, making it the highest price achieved for any American work of art at auction. And that's the Marilyn Monroe yeah, The bl- Blue Marilyn, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. So Specialist and Christie was all oh. stoked on the fact that they basically, in a little diss at Sotheby's, they're like, quote, we did sell the most expensive painting of the 20th century. This is a big achievement. Hooray. No, no, no. I'm sorry, ma'am. I have to interrupt you. <laughs> painting the most expensive painting is a big achievement. Exactly. Selling it is nothing. Nobody goes to, like, oh, the county fair and says, I made this hog expensive. Look what we did, guys. They're all backslapping <laughs> the auctioneer. No. The How hog made is, the hog expensive and the farmer did. I'm looking up. Yes. Oh, Salvatore Mundi sold for $400 million It's not American, man. MBS. Yeah. That's oh, we're talking about American. American paintings. I'm just American thinking, paintings. like, it just got me off on a thing. Oh, yeah, no, totally. MBS paid ridiculous money, and people wonder if he even got the real thing. That's right. That's the debate. That's Did right. he pay $400 and something million dollars for a fake? And I'm betting so. It's fake. Because it's been on his boat and everything. Nobody mm-hmm. ever gets to see it. Anyway, <laughs> and also, I don't really like the guy. So mm-hmm. there's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you know me. I, I've told you about this. We t- people talk about movies on like uh, box office on Friday. I hate when we evaluate the box office for a movie. Like well, that should not tell me if the movie's any good. Don't tell me oh, how yeah. much it made in its opening yeah, weekend. Yeah. That just tells me how much somebody made. That doesn't right. tell me anything, right? I also don't like it when you measure the value of art against the weight of gold. So like, I don't yeah. want to know how much the painting is worth. But since we're talking crime, I thought I'd tell you these numbers okay. because I want you to know we're talking long money here, yeah. right? Okay, now are you ready to meet somebody who had one of these never before seen paintings? Yes, pleased to meet you. I'd like you, Elizabeth, please meet Danielle Ailey Boisiz. Boisiz. Please meet me. He's the owner of Danielle Fine Art and Gallery Danielle. Oh, okay. Yeah, now he is what we in the storytelling business call a douchebag. <laughs> He, his fine art gallery named after himself is uh-huh. located in Palm Beach, Florida. Of course it if is. If you check the gallery's website, it currently has a large Heath Ledger as the Joker oil painting on the homepage. That's oh. the first thing you see. The artwork looks like Roy Neiman, but if he got like red pilled on a bodybuilder forum, right? What? So yeah, like here, I'll just show it to you. Maybe yeah, the Joker painting thing. is like a nod to Danielli's like recent heel turn in the art world, but uh-huh. this is what the painting looks like. 
That's what Doesn't you see. Doesn't that look like some of those things where you can buy paintings or like it art It looks prints. like AI from Instagram. Yeah, but you know, and it's like some kids going off to college and they need yeah, dorm totally. room Com- art. Yeah, and it's either that or like a lion that's all technicolor exactly. drawn. Yeah. This looks exactly like dorm, dorm wall art. And mm-hmm. he has this like on the homepage. When I go to your gallery, it's the first thing I see. Oh. Anyway, that's the dude. <laughs> all impressions and big splash. Yes. The guy had it made though. He was a gallery owner in a hip, expensive... Miami neighborhood, the gallery's swanky. Specifically, his spot, Daniele Fine Art, was located on Worth Avenue, which is he'd stayed. This is the kind of place where you stay busy slanging million dollar artwork, right? Is he like part of that Art Basel stuff? Yes, all yeah. of that, right? So he's out there slanging like million dollar paintings, like corner stores sell chips, right? And he's got <laughs> his Artnet described his neighborhood as quote a hot spot for the prestigious international art galleries in the wealthy Florida enclave. Mm. So he's exactly that Art Basel vibe, right? Benvenidos a Miami. <laughs> so as Artnet tells us, Daniele Fine Art was quote decorated with velvet ropes, a red carpet, and over-the-top crystal chandeliers hanging from the ceiling. Art was hung salon-style alongside large television monitors displaying NFT drops. No. Yes. <laughs> no. You start no. to see pictures, aren't you, Elizabeth? Yes, it's so, coming all too clear. Hold up. Danielle Boazis is not just some Eurotrash douchebag in it for the NFTs and fast cash and the lols. This guy was 69 <laughs> years old. So he's someone who, you know, he you might know say. should know better. Someone who should know he better. should be, yeah. But he's also hanging on for things he doesn't understand. Is his, and is his girlfriend like 19? I don't. I didn't look into that far. You know yeah, it, but you yeah, know he, he, he prefers uh, surface over substance. So I'm going to go yes. Yes. Now, yeah. he, this man, he likes to make an impression, or as we like to call them, con men. Uh-huh. He, uh, his business model focused on a brand of suckers we call multimillionaires, or preferably a billionaire. Like if he could wrangle one of those, it'd be perfect. Someone with the kind of money to burn, lots of people to impress, and doesn't know George O'Keefe from William de Kooning. Right. So that's why he chose Miami, because he could have picked L.A., New York. But if you want easy, dumb Mm -hmm. money these days, it's in Miami, right? Like two years ago, I'm talking, you were longing to milk a recently, like, minted crypto billionaire? Miami. (laughs) You want to hit up an NFT billionaire? Miami. AI company CEO? It's all the same story. You know what's better than one billionaire? Hmm. Two billionaires. Malcolm, baby. Two billionaires. (laughs) So to charm all these suckers and amaze them with who, these guys who know very little about art, Daniel's gallery basically boasted the names that most art folks, most folks know of art, right? They're mm-hmm. like, oh, I know who Picasso is, right? Yeah, So yeah. according to the gallery, he sold their work. And this is an important and impressive list. He had uh, the, a few of the highlights are Rauschenberg, Claude Monet, Pablo Picasso, uh, Salvador Dali, William de Kooning, Henri Matisse, Paul Degas, Cézanne, Renoir, Rodin, Shepard Ferry, Banksy, Mr. Brainwash, Keith Haring and Jean-Michel Basquiat. So he's just all over the map. He's yes. not like specializing in one certain... No. If you got Monet, Degas, and Mr. Brainwash on the same <laughs> wall, oh, that's all kinds of chaotic. Oh, man. He also listed uh, Basquiat as a French painter. The, the website list... No, stop yeah, it. I find that's interesting for two reasons. One, he's an American painter. Uh-huh. The man was born in Brooklyn. Yes. He he made his name tagging Zen Cohen's in Manhattan. Like, he yeah. is an American painter. He's as American as Frank Sinatra. Exactly. Right? The other reason I find this interesting interesting is he should know the basics about Basquiat because not knowing about Basquiat is the reason why this Florida art dealer got embarrassed by an FBI raid in December oh, of last, uh, I, 2021, actually. That's my kind of embarrassment. Yeah, so let's take a little break, and I'll be back to tell you about how he got embarrassed in front of all of his upscale neighbors by the FBI. Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. All right, Elizabeth, we're back. Buy me. So <laughs> That's my ad. That's a good one. This is so good. Buy things, buy stuff, buy me. Buy it. So the FBI. Yeah. They uh, decided <laughs> to get into the art world via this guy's gallery. Nice. And so the, uh, well, here, I'll just leave it to you this way. It was December 2021, and a local art dealer, a director of a neighborhood gallery, TW Fine Art, a Mr. Ty Cooperman, Mm -hmm. he was witnessing all of this. And then the local news came around, and they interviewed him. They said, hey, what went down? And Ty Cooperman said that the FBI showed up with, quote, a beautiful array of armored vehicles and agents around 10 (laughs) a.m. I just love a beautiful array of armored vehicles with an eye-catching pop of lexographic variety from all the various agencies and their logos on the backs of the jacks. And, of course, there was the thematic punch of violence from all the heavily armed officers, which only served to further galvanize the work with an undeniable realness. Did he say this? No, that's me. Oh, God, that was beautiful. That was incredible. I'm I'm spitballing art talk over here. I'm (laughs) doing art speak for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was fun. That was really good. Yeah, no, that, that was just uh, for you to get it. I, I said, that quote wasn't long enough. Uh, no. WPTV. I want no, more. A beautiful array. Yeah, tell me, describe the beauty. Show, don't tell. Exactly. Thank, Thank you. you. So Thank why you. did the FBI and Danielli's fine art, why did they come to Danielli's fine art? Well, come to find out, this dude was pushing whack forgeries of the works of masters and charging millions of dollars for them. <laughs> and the FBI was like, bro, we call that a uh, wire fraud, mail fraud, money laundering. And he's like, oh, I call that 
that my business plan. <laughs> so according to the Department of Justice indictment, the FBI sent in an agent. And the agent was offered a Basquiat painting for sale. Turns out the Basquiat was a forgery that Danielle bought online from a site called Live Auctioneers for $495. Then this cat slapped a sticker on the back and he tried to sell it to an undercover FBI agent for the gallery list price of, wait for it, $12 million. No, 495 <laughs> to 12 million. That's quite the markup. <laughs> he turns it. <laughs> now, when, they, when the undercover FBI agent asked about the artwork's provenance, Danielle told them, quote, provenance is father of Basquiat, so there's not the, really a conversation about it. I have no idea what that means. No, I nor read does it he. 85 times. He doesn't know either. But I guess it was meant to reassure the undercover FBI agent and Elizabeth, it did not. So <laughs> it only confirmed suspicions. The FBI, they went to a former member of the Basquiat uh, Authentication Committee and asked them if the work could possibly be legit. Yeah. The expert reportedly said, <laughs> you must be kidding, right? You're going to pay me for my time? <laughs> no, but in all honesty, they said this is clearly a fake. Now, the FBI agent was like, well, okay, that's what we thought. And now came the, quote, beautiful array of armored vehicles and agents. Yeah. And once he was in custody, the Algerian-born art dealer, he copped to his crimes faster than you can say, Wassily Kandinsky. So, <laughs> <laughs> Boom, he got two years, three months in the federal big house for that. And that is just the tip of our fraudulent iceberg. Oh okay, Elizabeth, you ready for the next amazing tale of art so forgeries? Ready. So ready. and fakes? Okay, I'd like to take you to the foot of a volcano. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. I'd like to take you to the <laughs> foot of a French vineyard, to an art gallery called Volcano. Oh. Foot of a French vineyard. Sorry. Foot of a French vineyard. That's yes. a, there's a little bit of a difference there. In the French town of Nuit Saint-Georges, which as far as I know, Nuit means night in French. Yes. But I thought it means like bonne nuit, like good night. But yeah. this use means makes it sound like St. George the night. The night of St. George. Oh, okay. Or am I over here? I the, would imagine. I'm having an idiot's moment where no, I'm like, oh, I think, yeah. I don't like, know. Maybe I'm wrong. Chevalier in French? Isn't it Chevalier Oh, yeah. Night? If it's a K and yeah, I Yeah, and then I figure K night is Chevalier and N night is Nuit. And then M night. And M night is Shyamalan. Yeah, okay. We got that cleared up. <laughs> so you know what? As you would say, who knows who cares? Or as the French would say, que c'est que son suke. Okay. So Volcano, the art gallery. It was their first <laughs> exhibition, right? The yes. newly formed gallery has this impressive location. They present 35 previously unseen Basquiat drawings. They're like, we got the goods, babies. Come on down to the gallery. So these works were gallery reportedly on loan from a Bur Burgundian collector. Oh. Burgundian. Okay. Yes. Dom uh, Dominique Viano. And Dominique Viano, uh, as, as the English, okay, you have to understand, this is English translated French news. So I'm going oh, to read you this like quote. This. It's awesome because it sounds like French, but it sounds like French run through English, like through a cheese grater of English. Yeah, I like there this. There we go. In the small gallery, the drawings made in pastel and in grease pencil are presented unframed in display cases. They are mostly heads with bulging eyes and mixed colors. We find there the iconic symbols of Basquiat, crowns, teeth, a car, and often crossed out words like radioactivity, Rabelais, Orion, or Cassiopeia. But we immediately feel a slight discomfort in front of these faces with overloaded colors, even scribbled, because they do not let emerge the power of fear and revolt aroused by the human figures transcended by the child of Brooklyn. Yes. How French was that? Well, and the discomfort they highlight, that is the thing. You want you want sometimes to be in the state of discomfort yes. when viewing art. Yes. In Basquiat's case, yes. In yeah. the case of these paintings, different discomfort. <laughs> so 
For your viewing pleasure, it's Elizabeth. Your, it's the discomfort of your wallet being lightened? No, worse than that. I Uh-oh. got you a tease here. So uh, I was able to get my hands on a, a comparison artwork that has one of the drawings for sale. Okay. Or sorry, that they had for sale at this gallery, right? Or on display, I should say. And one of Basquiat's originals, right? This uh-huh. Basquiat original was sold for $117 million. The other one was a drawing claiming to be from the same artist. And I, I want you to see uh-huh. if you can tell me which is the fake and which is the legit Basquiat. Okay. Ready? So, left or right? (laughs) (laughs) It looks like the stuff you find on a refrigerator at your friend's house who has children. Like a disturbed child. And you have to tell the child, child, oh, I love this. This is, what is this? You have to pretend like you can tell what it is. They hopefully tell you what it is. Well, it's a crocodile. You're like, oh, oh, wow. Of course it is. That's why it's in the sky. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so why does he have Brexit written on him, right? He's got B-R-X-T written like, I'm like, stop. What do we just run out of inspiration? Or like I think of that. <laughs> he was he was foretelling. So do you remember that Jesus renovation artist that you love so much? Mon Favri. Yes. I love that so much. <laughs> you do not understand. So they had the fresco. They had the woman come in. in. She's Spain. like, I will come in. I will renovate that. She's claimed to be an art historian she was renovator. A cleaner. Yeah, she was and a then, cleaner. And she's like, this fresco is kind of falling apart. Let me touch it up. And so she decides like to touch Hell yeah. <laughs> the face and she turns oh, it into God, like. So good. <laughs> it gives me life to see it. It makes me so happy. That's what this painting does for me. It's yes. so bad. Yes. I'm just like, yeah. Let's get t- T-shirts. I'll get mine mm-hmm. with the with the, the Jesus bad Jesus, yeah. uh-huh. uh, melting Jesus, and then you you can get uh, you know nice. alligator in the sky with boobs. Totally. Whatever that and is. we'll get a, a, one of the the Cristiano Ronaldo statue. <gasps> oh, that's for good producer too. Dave. Yes, nice. it's the uniform. Like, so this show it was the inaugural, as I told you, inaugural exhibition for the Volcano Gallery. That's the type of artwork that they have on display. The gala soiree kicks off, and the art world comes ready to swoon at all the previously unseen Basquiat artwork. Oh my god! And let me tell you, the art world—they walked away very disappointed, confused. <laughs> Some were mad. So, <laughs> Richard Rodriguez, the self-described Basquiat connoisseur, he told the TV news from uh, France Three that the drawings on display were not only clearly fake, but they were so bad they pissed him off in a very French way. Yes. They gave these drawings a childish side as if Basquiat were a schoolboy. <laughs> he railed to the France 3 news yes. camera. And he ain't wrong. If you saw it, the work looks like someone doing an impression of oh, a child yeah. doing an impression of Basquiat. Yeah, right? it's like if you put it in front of a kid and say, can you draw this and, you know, put a real Basquiat and yeah. say, go nuts. Yeah, do this. And the kid's like, okay. And the kid's an overachiever, but not that much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know like when they let elephants paint. It's like <laughs> So the Rodriguez continued to like, it is missing spontaneity. Basquiat never mixed colors like that. If Basquiat had done that, he would never have been famous. Oh my god. He's just like this. dissing the color this mixing. This guy's amazing. And so the, the, not all. The man had opinions. He also angrily shouted to the news cameras and anyone who would listen, these drawings, if they were from Basquiat, they would be worth uh, five hundred thousand and two million euros each. Did they buy them between 500 and 2 million euros each? That's wrong. And me, I'm ready to testify in court if it is necessary. Yes. He's willing to go to the judge. (laughs) Testify. Now, coincidentally, this man, Richard Rodriguez, he happened to unmask someone for selling fake Basquiat's before. He did it way back in 1994. He was at the prestigious Templon Gallery in Paris to attend the International Contemporary Art Fair, which is like a big deal. Uh And he saw four paintings that seemed kind of hinky to him. He was like, no, those are mad hinky. I know that's not. So he called them out, right? 
right then and there. And he makes a whole stink, right? And he makes the scene. He's like, these aren't Basquiat's. What is this bull sugar? And so, like, <laughs> turns out the paintings were indeed fake. So he makes a name off of this. So ever since then, people have kind of gone to him as an yeah, expert, right? he's the unmasker. Dude, he was right. Is that they were painted by a former assistant to Basquiat. That's how they got the style so correct. Oh, They were looking to make some fast money from the suckers, right? Yeah. So they wanted what, to turn a two to a four, a four to an eight. You know. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Jay-Z be so proud. I just, I can't stop with the Jay-Z today. <laughs> I mean, I'm into it. Thank you. So as for the collector of the th- 35 previously unseen Basquiat artworks, his name, as I told you, Dominique Villano, he is an interesting cat. Uh-huh. This dude, he went to art school, so he's got a taste for this stuff. He went to the National School of Fine Arts in Dijon, France, which is also the home of Grey Poupon Mustard, from Wave. what if I'm not... Mis- am I right? Yeah, oh, the, nice. the whole part me. Yeah. Was, Do you have any Grey Poupon? I was being facetious, <laughs> but uh, look at that. Okay, anyway, after art school, Viano, he went on to work as a professor, and then a TV writer, and then a producer, and then a diamond dealer. You know, normal you know career how it goes. path. Exactly. Quite the resume. And if you asked him, he'd be quick to tell you that he used to, uh, he used to party with Warhol. So you know, I'll, I'll t- I tell people that too. Yeah, yeah. He also about bu- me. he was buddy buddy with Carl Lagerfeld. Me too. At one point, he was the lover of Yves Saint Laurent. Yves Saint Laurent. Excellent. Yeah. Good so, for, so was I. Like I said, quite the resume. You guys, amazing resume. We're basically twinsies. I, I'm telling you, like you guys would have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm, you should so go much. to prison. I really so, should. So, I really, really should. This dude was confronted about his fake Basquiat artwork. Viana said that he was blameless. He was like, if anyone was the victim, I am the victim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't have a French accent. But anyway. <laughs> Why not? So Viana told the Radio France, I bought them from a French collector who bought them themselves from an American collector, David Rosen. David Rosen bought them mainly at the Mud Club from Jean-Michel Basquiat. Now, you know the Mud mm-hmm. Club is the old punk club, and it was like on yeah. the Lower East Side. It's like this thing, where, that's where Basquiat played, his right. band played. So, yes, you're going to buy 35 drawings in a, in the Mud Club for whatever, $1,000. Yeah. So he yeah. claimed that the 35 drawings some American bought decades ago at the Punk New Wave Club and if you can believe it, this dude has documentation to prove it. So his paperwork claimed that the American, David Rosen, was at the Mud Club, purchased the 35 drawings, but not 35 drawings, Elizabeth, 89 drawings from Basquiat, the club. And, okay, and all at once? All at once. And in 2012, he unloads these drawings to a young Frenchman, you know, as one does, in the sure. St. Etienne region of France, who a few years later then sold 35 of the drawings to Dominique Viano. That's the story. Mm-hmm. That's why he's the victim, right? Yeah, so yeah it's hard to be him. That's the provenance, as they say. <laughs> so one gallery owner brought up my question, which is, no one in the world has so many drawings. Yes. No one in the world owns so many drawings privately or in a museum. Like, yeah. nobody just wants drawings. So that was the rationale of Nordine Zedon. I love the name, Nordine Zedon. Anyway, Nordine's a gallerist who exhibited Basquiat works, and as someone who's exhibited him, he also knew some of the tricks of the trade and, like, the hidden costs that would come with an exhibition. Uh So, as he said, in the Nuit Saint-Georges exhibition, there were 50 to 60 million dollars. It's just impossible. What value have these designs been insured for? Let them show the insurance value to prove their good faith. If they don't, then they are in bad faith. And so what he means is, it's really a good point. If an insurance company won't insure the artwork, that suggests the insurer doesn't believe they're real or isn't willing to lose the money that they are worth and act like they're worth $100 million or whatever. So when Nordine Zedon exhibited Basquiat, the insurers made him add bars to the windows of his gallery. 
Oh, really? So he was like, where's the bars? <laughs> <laughs> the French take art very seriously, yeah, is my yeah. point. So they did the legwork to confirm if this artwork was legitimate or not. And the outlet France Culture, they found the young Frenchman down in Burgundy who allegedly sold Viano the 31 to 35 drawings. Because he, you'll find two numbers in the press. Okay. So we were able to, and quote, we were able to find him via his Facebook account. The young collector <laughs> of Saint Etienne who was supposed to have sold them to Dominique Viano. He refused to answer our questions and appeared very... Very concerned that he had been identified. Yeah, I bet he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but while I was researching these stories, I came across this next cat, and he was just so lovably inept, I had to include him. Okay. So it turns out this dude was dealing with charges of tax avoidance, and then everything's just sort of spilled out. So meet Melbourne-based art dealer Andy Valmorbida. So I may be pronouncing it incorrectly. Yeah, Valmorbida. So he was busted in the Isle of Jersey, the English Isle just off the coast of France. Yeah. The dude is a legit aging playboy turned art dealer. Oh, my God, I love Val Morbida is a 42-year-old do-nothing son of the ultra-wealthy Australian family that got rich selling imported Italian luxury goods to Australians. Wow. <laughs> that was back in the 50s. It's been a couple generations, sure. and now they've fallen down to socialite levels. So yeah, on fast, the Isle of Jersey. Exactly. Fast forward to the early aughts, Val Morbida is living in Manhattan, wasting his family's money, throwing pop-up gallery art shows, and being fabulously wealthy and acting like art was his life. All right? and he, he was always in the company of debutantes and celebs like Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, oh, friends no. of the show. Totally and the show. He was deep in like the life of whatever you call that. Being a socialite. Is that even th- a thing anymore? Do people say a socialite? Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're just, if you're not motivated and you got all this money, why not do yeah. it that so way? So he was being the, like the, the socialite. Okay, there we go. That's a nice euphemism for it. So yeah. anyway, later on, life caught up to Valmorbida. He was still pushing art, but he's not as much fun anymore. Not mm-hmm. as sexy and young. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, he was selling fake Francis Bacons and fake Basquiat's for millions. That's what he'd gotten to. No longer the pop-ups and, hey, don't you see Giorgio Armani this weekend? No, none of that stuff. (laughs) So this is all what his life is about. Then he gets sued by a hedge fund manager over some unpaid debts. And that's that's when everything goes sideways. He ends up on trial. The dude goes to pieces on the witness stand. And it's just, oh... But here, let's take a break. Oh. Yeah. And then exactly. I'm going to leave you on the edge of the the precipice of of disbelief and and, and, uh, suspense, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be back after this little break, and I'll tell you about how this man goes to pieces in a courtroom. I can't wait. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, 
Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, Elizabeth, I promised you a courtroom scene. You and did. I want you to understand that this man, this Val Morbida, he, uh, this aging playboy, this this scion of wealth, he had never probably had a moment like this in his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just all of a sudden was face-to-face with all the things he had spent his misspent life on, mm-hmm. right? And he decides to come clean. And you really, I mean, it's, it must have been something, to, a sight to behold, right? I'm sure. But rather than just tell you about it, Elizabeth, I'd like you to close your eyes. Ooh, my eyes are closed. And picture it. You are in an English courtroom, but you are not wearing a powdered wig because you are the court artist. Yes, you've recently changed jobs yet again. Yes. You're now working as a court sketch artist doing charcoal and pencil renderings of the innocent and the guilty. And yes, you indeed bluffed your way into this job. You don't imagine it'll last very long since every one of your sketches looks like a stick figure. Some of the stick <laughs> figures have mustaches. Some stick figures don't. The judge stick figure usually has a gavel. So anyway, you're busy sketching the aging Australian playboy in the witness box, the defendant, Val Morbida. He's accused of selling fake Basquiat masterpieces, among many other things. In honor of Basquiat, you begin to write words on your courtroom sketches and then cross them out. (laughs) So the witness recounts to the court all about the fake paintings he's been hawking, some sold for millions. He tells the court that admits to lying under oath when we made that statutory declaration back in London on what was it, okay, the 12th of February 2018. Yes, I also agree that each work of art was 100% legally and beneficially owned by me. That's true, too. And for the purposes of obtaining work from the fine art group. Yep, I did all that. Crikey. So you had a fistful of money to Val Morbida's stick figure drawing, and then you had a stick figure crocodile, because why not? As the witness is cross-examined, the prosecutor makes uh, hay about the fact that the former playboy has thus far been dishonest, evasive, and he proceeds to lay out all of his evidence to the fact of why he should be in prison. When he's asked to confirm some of this, Val Morbida says, yep, I did that. Yeah, that's all me. <laughs> sounds a lot like, uh, when you lay it all out like that, sounds like a lot, Mr. Prosecutor Lady. I did all that you said, just like you said, and I even did some more, you didn't say. Like, what about the Dagal, the Renoir? The judge slams his gavel down. You snicker. This Aussie playboy is just owning the courtroom. His testimony is so doomed. The judge stops the defendant and tells him, May I remind you, sir, that you are not required to answer all inquiries. Stick to what questions are asked, because to be honest with you, sir, you are going to jail. Now, at two different points in the testimony, the Aussie playboy's own lawyers interrupt him and tell him to shut up. Then that was after the judge cautioned him that he didn't have to keep saying everything he knew. But this cat Valmore by it, he's like, Your Honor, if you don't mind, I have not yet begun to hit rock bottom. Now, where was I? (laughs) So after he's done testifying, the judge says, Mr. Valmore Bida, 
Your lust for self-incrimination is strikingly unusual, worrisome even. I would throw the book at you, but I fear that you would enjoy it. Please just get out of my courtroom. You get done sketching with quite a laugh, and you, he says, Your Honor, if anything, if I think of anything else, I'll be glad to call you. He's like, please don't. And that is the end of Valmore by his courtroom scene. But what can I say? If you, as you saw that in the courtroom, the dude was hell bent to come clean. He's yeah. just like, I got caught. I got to tell you everything. We've yeah. come across this a couple of times. If yeah. You, if you ever been like that, where it's just like, you know, it's all over. You're undone. The jig is up. You're caught. You're just like, here, here's everything. Oh, by the way, some stuff you didn't ask. Never been caught, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've saved the best one for last. This next story coincidentally takes place in Florida. Oh. It's either Florida or France exactly. today. Exactly. One of the two. The Orlando Museum of Art was planning a huge new exhibition of Basquiat paintings, lots of publicity, etc. The art was reportedly a rare find in a storage unit. It belonged to a brother who knew Basquiat. They were friends. He was a former TV writer for Sesame Street and MASH. This cat claimed he had proof that the works were legit. What was the proof that he had, Elizabeth? A poem. Oh, the, and the well-known yes. connection between Basquiat and Sesame Street. Yes, totally. And MASH writers. Yes. So he had <laughs> rhyming verses, his receipt of purchase. Huh. Now, this sounds like something from one of your dreams. It does. You know, like <laughs> a public television writer claims he has a lost multi-million dollar fortune in street art in a storage unit that he can prove is authentic with a poem. Yes, it does. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like one of your dreams? So anyway, so this guy... The controversy erupts. Hundreds of millions of dollars are on the line. So what happens? So in February 2022, the Orlando Museum of Art, they announced their big new shows. They told you the heroes and monsters, Jean-Michel Basquiat. The show is supposed to have 25 new Basquiat works that no one has ever seen. Hmm. Art appraisers are like, oh, my God, these are amazing. They put the value of the work at an estimated $100 million. Wow. Yes. Now, in May of last year, the FBI walked in and shut the party down. <laughs> As so, they do. Not literally. I mean, they, they let the museum have its big night, but then weeks later, the FBI agents came in. They confiscated everything. They said, here, c- contact us later. So, or we'll be in touch. Yeah. So anyway, the works in question were mixed media works. They were paint- paintings on top of scavenged cardboard. Uh-huh. So as I told you, Basquiat would find anything and paint on it. So right. in this case, it was a bunch of cardboard boxes. Yeah, and they were like that storage tracks, boxes. Yeah. Totally tracks, right? One was a 10-inch square. Another was a five-foot disembodied head painting, mm. right? So various sizes of cardboard. So the story goes, Basquiat, artwork was purchased by the TV writer back in 1982. Mm-hmm. The dude's name was Thad Mumford. And I'm assuming that's short for Thaddeus. Thaddeus that Mumford. That sounds right. I like name. it. Thaddeus Mumford. So according to the provenance, he claims t- t- to be true. This Mumford Sands Sons, he gave Basquiat <laughs> $5,000 in 1982 to buy 25 paintings that Basquiat allegedly painted in his basement studio while he was staying in the home of the LA art dealer, uh, Larry Gagosian, who's very oh, big in yeah. his, his history. So yeah, at that yeah. time, Gagosian was planning a big Basquiat show, was letting the artist stay there and to work uninterrupted. The money and the business exchange between the two men was not traditional. We'll just leave it at that. As Gagosian would say later, it was the way he chose to be paid, in cash or in barter or with clothes or like he'd say, buy my girlfriend a trip to Paris. Yeah. So that's like how, that's why it's a difficult to establish provenance because like how do you go, well, here's the receipt for the trip I bought for the girl from Paris that paid for the paintings. Yeah. You get my point. Yeah. So, Anyway, following that same business model, apparently Thad Mumford bought works from Basquiat informally, and he put the works in his storage unit, which he kept until 2012, and then it was auctioned off for non-payment. The contents were purchased by bargain hunters, scouring storage units. In this case, they may have gotten very lucky because a storage unit purchased $15,000. Inside, maybe art worth $100 million. Wow. It's like the dream of every storage hunter. So it's not like he went and sold it. It was... 
Yeah. Now, whatever became of him? Oh, well, he he fell on hard times. He was a writer in Hollywood. He yeah. was black at that time. He fell on hard times, and eventually uh, his health failed him, and he died. So, oh, dear. But before that happened, yeah. at the heart of the controversy, the poem. So yes. remember, according to Provenance, Mumford, TV writer at the time working on MASH, he was one of a small number of black TV screenwriters, I told you. And so Basquiat and he, they meet, and they hit it off as like being like young black creatives, and they have a friendship, and they decide you know, to mark their friendship. They exchange paint, and he writes a poem hmm. and then so the director of the orlando museum of art says the poem is quote almost like a receipt it refers to the works it refers to the inscriptions in the works it refers to the time i've absolutely no doubt right so they say that it's and who on. wrote the poem the the mumford writes, mumford the, poem, writes the poem but then okay. jmb signed the poem there's jmb oh. in wax uh, pen on the on the poem signed okay. in, in like oil sticks right oil yeah. stick. so the poem though wasn't in the storage unit with the paintings. Hmm. According to the buyer of the storage unit, they tracked down Mumford later and they asked him about the artwork. And so can you imagine that conversation? Oh my God. <laughs> like, hey, so I'm like a scavenger on fresh oh, carry-on and God. I bought all of your possessions in a liquidation sale and I wanted to ask you about all your stuff you couldn't afford to oh, keep. My God. I think some of them may, may, may be worth millions. Do you have more information so for maybe, me? Did you see me on Storage Wars? <laughs> so apparently Mumford- Oh my God, I'm just the, sick the, for him. Right? Yeah, so he tells the new owner of his stuff that he wrote the poem in 1982 to serve as a receipt for the purchase. This is what the new owner claims. No, yeah. we don't have this word from Mumford because he died before any of this becomes oh, interesting. public knowledge. Okay. Yes. So let me tell you, it's not a great poem, all right? So I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that it's not his, it's personally. Yeah, it yeah. reads like a receipt. So here's a sample of some words. Uh, the start of a new day, no longer outsiders, industry insiders, golden crowns receiving... What? No. So, yeah, that's not... It conjures no. up, yes, the iconic images of the Radiant Child, right. the crown, Basquiat stuff, right? And apparently some this of these lines... writer. Yes, and then later on he mentions, coincidentally, the exact number of paintings sold and identifies them <laughs> and their value by <laughs> lines in the poem. 24 <laughs> paintings bringing riches. Sing along, Dr. Thad. Sing along. The poem oh, ends with a Basquiat-inspired line that really fails to capture his, like, iconoclastic energy, but it does its best impression. It's like a dollar store Halloween costume, right? So <laughs> yeah. you get this, oh, how grand we feel. Oh, how our lovely our life will be. A baseball, a bird, a television, our play, a future bright. That's the end of the poem. Okay. okay. Now, I think that poem would have been awesome if the last line actually was a baseball, a bird, a television, our play, a future brick. <laughs> that would be dope, right? Anyway, so it just Aaron, needs some workshopping. Oh, some? It needs a workshop on top of a workshop burying this Inside poem for no one to ever see. Then they just talk about the poem. Underneath this yeah. workshop was a great poem. Anyway. Aaron DeGroft, director of the Orlando Museum of Art, he was convinced by this poem. He's like, oh, it's brilliant. Are you calling me the Basquiat? Really oh, yeah. slow. Yeah, I don't know. So DeGroft said, quote, the poem is almost like a receipt. It refers to the works. It refers to the inscriptions in the works. It refers to the time, right? So except that that's not the story because Mumford's family and friends give when they are asked about this. Yeah. They say that he didn't collect art, that he <laughs> never mentioned Basquiat or having friendships with him. He never mentioned buying any of his art. Also, he didn't type. So the poem was hand-typed oh, and, and, and printed on dot matrix paper. I'm developing a theory, According by According to a fellow writer who knew him, 
Quote, Thad wrote on LegalPad, we started back in the 70s before there were computers and a lot of people sent stuff to typists. And that same fellow writer also added that I never saw Thad type a single letter that has a technophobic as anybody I've ever met. He didn't own a computer. Oh, my God. So it's looking bad, right? It's looking so, real bad. So there's all that. Then there's the new owners. Are you ready for the new owners? There's Pierce O'Donnell. He's the high power lawyer in L.A. who does celebrity divorces. Uh-huh. He's represented Angelina, or Angelina Jolie and her divorce from Brad Pitt and Amber Heard and her divorce from Johnny Depp. Uh-huh. He's uh, there his partners, William Force, an arts and antiques dealer who is also like a picker. He goes around the country buying stuff. Uh-huh. He's got a financial backer, Lee Magnin, who is a salesman who's uh, who calls himself, uh, calls himself a retired salesman. He's the money guy, right? Uh-huh. Now, both Forrest and Magnin had uh, different names in the past because they have done time in prison Stop for it. felony drug trafficking. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so Forrest was busted in 1973. Then he was known as William Parks. He got caught bringing a half ton of pot into Miami from Jamaica via speedboat. Uh-huh. More, uh, Magnin was busted twice, once in 1979 and again two decades later, 1991, both times for cocaine trafficking. And in 1996, the SEC, just for good measure, this is the Security Exchanges Commission, not mm-hmm. the football division. <laughs> they arrested him for securities fraud. He made $8 million by selling fake stocks. He oh has since God. been banned from the securities exchange industry for life. So he moved on to dealing art. Yeah. So yeah. his lawyer has argued, and I have to agree with the simple fact of this one point, which his client has a checkered past, but that should not indicate guilt on his case. Sure. I'm but... with that. But with this part of a larger pattern. Exactly. So on, on their side, the, the new owners, they do have a battery of experts. They have uh, handwriting experts who say that is definitely JMB's signature on the poem. Now, the picker guy, yes. is he the one who bought the... Yes. Uh, the st- okay, yes. so it wasn't like the, they had storage pickers. No. Okay, yeah. got it. So then there's the former assistant Basquiat, John Sneed. That was uh, Basquiat's man Friday. He was his chauffeur, his gopher, his art prep assistant. He would prepare. It's like, he can look into a painting and say, oh yeah, I remember mm-hmm. when, I, when I gessoed that, right? Yeah. So first time he met Basquiat, the painter was naked, right? So Sneed recalled, when I met Jean-Michel Basquiat in the fall of 1982, he came to the door naked. I had been sent to Venice, California, where Jean was living in a former art gallery just a few days before I had been hired by art dealer Larry Gagosian, and he'd seen my first Basquiat painting, Skull, now in the Broad Collection at his gallery. Larry had explained to me that John needed some help around the studio, right? So this guy, he's there at this moment, yeah, right? Yeah. So- Jean-Michel, he leads this guy on this you know, naked tour and shows this is how I'm going to be, right? And this guy, Sneed, gets used to this. This is yeah. how he is. So he has all these crazy stories of him exchanging stuff and you would think maybe a poem and, and exchanging art and all this would have possibly been there. Mm-hmm. No. Sneed's account of Basquiat's time does fit Mumford's narrative of how he was, but there's no mention of Mumford or any anything yeah. about, like, oh, the, he has a new friend. None of this, right? right. So oh, when I was reading uh, Sneed's blog, I saw a picture of the Basquiat studio in Venice and I realized I lived three blocks from where he stayed. Really? I tripped the hell out. I was like, oh my God, I know right where that <laughs> he is. Had no idea. I was like, I kind of had a little art geek fan moment sure. where I was like, oh my God, we he, we saw the same buildings. We walked the same paths to the beach. Yeah. We saw like the same people were you know, slinging weed on the corner because I'm sure they were still there in 1982. <laughs> totally. Anyway. That's amazing. So back to our Basquiat mystery. So the Orlando Museum's paintings legit or not, Elizabeth? Well, did Thad Mumford actually buy the artworks and hang out with Basquiat and write uninspired poetry about them? So to answer that question, we have to turn to FedEx. Oh. Specifically, the FedEx font. Enter oh. Lyndon Leader. Isn't that uh, Helvetica? No, uh, no, we'll get into that. Okay. He is a brand expert, a design guy, and the New York Times reached out to him about this theory he put forward. He didn't look at the paintings and tried to prove them to be fake. He looked at the cardboard they were painted on. Uh-huh. And he said... Ah, I see something that no one else has spotted yet. I know that this is not true. These cannot be. So the, what did he see? The, the hidden arrow. The typeface. 
<laughs> the hidden arrow yeah, in, that, in between yeah, the X. Yeah. So as a brand expert, Lyndon Leader knew in a way that just like four other people on Earth would know that exactly what typeface FedEx was using on its shipping boxes in 1982. Huh. That was the year that they, like, it was the year before they switched their typefaces. Now, on the back of one of the paintings, there's a FedEx label that reads, align top of FedEx shipping label here. And this typeface that didn't exist until 1994. Oh. Now, how does Lyndon Leader know that? Why is he one of these rare people know that? Because he was the person who redesigned the typeface for the company oh, back when they were known as Federal Express. Wow. He was senior designer at Landor Associates, and he handled the redesign for FedEx. So he literally created the typeface. And he goes, I know that that not exist in 1982. And he bores everyone he knows with talk of kerning. Yeah. Yes, totally. So when the paper of record reached out to him for his professional opinion, Lyndon Leader told the Times, it appears to be set in the Universe 67 bold condensed. So that's the typeface named for the purple FedEx lettering that we all know and love. Uh -huh. And in 82, according to him, the, they were not using Universe at that time. So when the director of the Orlando Museum of Art was asked about this unfortunate little fact, mm -hmm. that the cardboard and the paintings couldn't have possibly been together at the same time in space-time, yeah. he, he he said the cardboard is legit. So just like MC Hammer's <laughs> dance moves, the cardboard has been ruled too legit to quit. So the museum director, DeGroff, did add, I believe deeply that these are authentic Basquiat's. I can't answer the question on FedEx. There's an anomaly there. <laughs> so well, the, yeah. The group has even suggested that FedEx used various fonts throughout the oh, 80s. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. Now, when the New York Times asked the museum director what he was talking about, DeGroff, quote, did not respond to a request this week for his source on the FedEx font usage. Is this true? Truthiness. I just love that. <laughs> now, my favorite angle, though, of all of them, is the board chair for the Orlando Museum of Art. They told the Orlando Sentinel, let's not focus on the artwork. There are far more important Wait. things like the fact that, quote, attendance is up, diversity is up, shop sales are up, people are enjoying themselves, which is very important to us. It supports our mission. So the museum says, let's not focus on the artwork. Yes, because, Elizabeth, diversity is up, shop sales are up, and look at all the people. Yeah, exit to the gift shop. That's their mission. Shop sales, ticket yeah. sales, you know. Yeah. And that's one hell of a mission you got there, just Orlando don't, Museum. Don't pay attention to the artwork. Oh, by the way, there used to be something called the Basquiat Authentication Committee, mm. and they handled issues like this one, except for the Basquiat estate closed the Authentication Committee because it was all the legal costs and hassles of going through needless lawsuits and counter lawsuits from all these yahoos who go, no, no, this is true. <laughs> it no, feels it right. It totally is true. And they, 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 they counter sue. And they're like, we can't afford all these lawyers yeah. because you want to get $10 million off of cardboard you had your cousin paint. <laughs> So, also, Andy Warhol, uh, Basquiat's old sparring partner, yeah. he as a state has also killed his authentication committee. So, you know, same reasons. Wow. So, you know, buyer beware and also yeah. expect more of this nonsense in the future. Watch this space. <laughs> uh, what's our a ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth? I have a theory yes. about the storage space. Yes. I think that the guy got the storage space, yes. the, the picker man, yes. and then saw something in there that kind of gave him an idea that this was a black creative in early 80s New York. And then just invented this around it. I think you're 100% right. And poor fella, poor Mumford. I think that the poem is hinky nonsense. Oh, yeah, total garbage. And the whole dot matrix aspect of it, because total it has garbage. like the little, like, you know, the, the punch <laughs> yeah. holes on the side. Yeah. I looked at it and I was like, see, that's the part that's supposed to make me not ask questions. And that's the part that makes it me makes, ask questions. Exactly. They're like, oh, let's get some old paper. Yeah. Exactly. So they grab the, uh, you know, a sheaf of that stuff mm -hmm. and then. Boom. Man, lazy. So there you go. They're so lazy, all of them. I get all upset about that. Yeah, I don't but like lazy. I hope you enjoyed this one because I love Basket. I really enjoyed this one. I love Basket too. I know you do. So I thought you would. Anyway. 
Anyway, you can always find us online if you'd like at Ridiculous Crime on Twitter and Instagram. We got a website, RidiculousCrime.com. Email us if you want at RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. And if you do and you ask real nice, we'll give you a producer Dave's phone number. No, we won't. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for sharing a laugh with us, rude dudes. And until next time, mind the gap. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by former Australian playboy Dave Coustin. Research is by Marissa Shepherd Fairy Fairyland Brown and Andrea Mrs. Brainwash Song Sharpentier. Our theme song is by Thomas Salvador Dahl Lee and Travis Pray for Soup, Build a Fort, Set That on Fire, Dutton. Executive producers are Ben Claude, Monet, 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 Bolin, and Noel Samo does not cause cancer in laboratory animals. Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.